We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking news, Terry Rozier, he'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good, Terry Rozier! All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome in to another Buzz Beat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. We are back from our three to four week hiatus, uh, just in time for the second week of the Hornets bubble. Uh, they started their in market bubble on September 21st, and they are finally allowed to play some five on five basketball after all this time off. Um, along with that exciting news, we do have an exciting guest that will be joining us today, Nick Carboni, the uh, sports director over at WCNC-TV. Nick, how's everything going with you? I'm good, just hanging out in my own bubble uh, and trying to keep track of what's going on in the Hornets bubble. So I'm just glad they're back doing something. Uh, we can't be there right now for obvious reasons, but it's it's nice to see you know the clips of them working out and, and get to talk to them every couple of days. Yes. And uh, with any new guest, Nick, uh, I do like to find out a little bit more about you and how you ended up in Charlotte and how you ended up at WCNC. So after graduating Syracuse, I kind of want you to take me on your journey about how your sports reporting began and just kind of tell us a little bit about that path and how you got to where you are now. Sure. I was uh, actually a newspaper writer first before I went to Syracuse. That was my first passion. I wrote for the Hartford Current, my home state of Connecticut, and covered a lot of high school sports. Kind of my big dream was to get the UConn men's beat at some point. Um, But then I kind of always had this TV bug in my ear and um, got a chance to go to Syracuse for their master's program. So went, and I was a fish out of water, a.k.a. I was a UConn fan at Syracuse basketball games. I never converted to the orange. Uh, It's a big talking point for anybody who goes to Syracuse. They want to always, like, dish about Syracuse basketball and I could not despise the program more. So it makes for some awkward, awkward networking. 
Um, so after Syracuse, I ended up in Springfield, Missouri for three years. And then I ended up in Knoxville, Tennessee uh, at the NBC affiliate there and the same company that uh, owns the NBC affiliate here. So uh, it was just kind of a natural move, easy transition and, and got to work in a pro market, but got to cover some some good college basketball without doing it in like a blue blood market. But I really enjoyed covering Missouri Valley basketball with Missouri state. And they had a nice run there. And then when I was at Tennessee, uh, they, when I was covering Tennessee, they went to the sweet 16. So just kind of an interesting couple of places to cover. It wasn't Kansas or North Carolina or Florida or anything like that, but um, just really enjoyed the basketball side of it. And, you know, like everybody else, I had, a Hornets starter jacket when I was a kid, even though I grew up in New England. So yeah. uh, it was awesome to come here and cover the team. And, and obviously I was a big fan of Kemba when I got here too. Well, it's uh, it's certainly good to see a, a Syracuse grad finally get a job in media. I mean, yeah. it, uh, they're, they're, I you, you're one of the few. Yeah, exactly. Can uh, Congrats on, on, on being... Broke the uh, glass ceiling. So yeah, everybody an, else can thank me, yeah. thank me down the road. That's an interesting point you bring up too about... You know, you finding these other college basketball markets too. I mean, I'm 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 lucky to have cover. I get to cover the ACC. You know, in Raleigh, I live in Raleigh, but I'll you know spend a lot of time in Durham and Chapel Hill, and that's a great sort of bubble to be in for college hoops. Yeah. But um, you know, it can sometimes it at times has like the center of the universe like feel to it, and I think exactly. it might be kind of cool to find to get to some other parts sort of of the college basketball solar system um, as opposed to just being exclusively uh, tobacco road ACC. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the two markets I worked in were not, you know, I mean, Southwest Missouri is, a, and, I, and I didn't know this before I got there. It is just like, it, it's, it's like Hoosiers uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the Ozarks. It's just so <laughs> basketball centric mm -hmm. and it's not just the colleges. It's the class one girls high school, yeah. at 300 population Walnut Grove, Missouri. And there's somehow like double that many in the stands on a Friday night. I mean, it was just such a great experience. They like the, the 32 team boys and girls basketball tournament, uh, every year there is just, a, I mean, like the bracket selection is a big deal. Um, and then they'll play in front of 8,000 at Missouri state's arena <laughs> on the, on the Saturday night. And then they had the tournament of champions, which is, um, you know, a national tournament, which, you know, I got to see, like, I remember, like I asked an injured guy on one of the national teams, like who, like one of the other better players was, and he mm. like kind of like looked at me and rolled his eyes. I think he was offended, and I was realizing later that that was Ben Simmons. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was probably like, dude, dude, I'm Ben Simmons. Yeah. Like, why are you asking me about other teammates? So I got to see a lot of a lot of great players coming That's through cool. too. And then at Tennessee, it's a football school, but um, they were really passionate about men's and obviously women's basketball. Yeah, there. yeah. Yeah. Before we get into the Hornets, Nick, and I want you to be honest, uh, is there a specific sport that you like covering most at WCNC? Oh, man. Be honest. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think I think I like football season the most. And it's it's really but I love going to Hornets games like I don't even care who they're playing like they it could be like you know, a Hornets and magic game. I just, I just like being at an NBA arena, um, on a Tuesday night and driving through uptown and, and listen to the pregame on the radio. I do yeah. really love that. I just think I like football season because I get so locked into like a routine. Um, like today's we're recording this on a Tuesday. Normally I'd 
would be working, but during football season, the Panthers are off. So I take Tuesday off. It's kind of a nice break in the middle of the week. So, um, yeah, I think covering the NFL right now is, is, it tends to be the most intriguing, but, um, like I said, I mean, covering the Hornets was a big draw in coming here. Um, and they had Kemba then, but just the kind of the name recognition and to be able to cover the NBA and, and see some of these stars come through here, um, has been awesome. And I'm really hopeful that the Hornets will get one too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate your honesty. I, I knew that the, you had some kind of football ties and I know that, uh, that's probably played a factor into your answer there, but let's switch it over to the Hornets. I think it's well-documented that the Hornets overachieved this season. Uh, their preseason win projection was around 23 or 24 wins. And then in a season that was cut short yeah. by 20 games, the Hornets team was able to achieve that mark uh, with 23 wins this past season. So Nick, you know, just kind of looking at the season as a whole, what do you think the biggest factor or factors that you feel like help this team overachieve? I think it's two things to me. It's team chemistry. Uh, they became one of the better passing teams in the league, uh, which, you know, probably gets overlooked by, you know, the top team, you know, the watching the nuggets and, and just the teams that do it at kind of a national level and, and teams you hear about more, but I really liked the way they shared the ball. Uh, especially down the stretch. And, and yeah, they, they got locked in a little bit more defensively and, and kind of learned their roles there. Um, but to me, it was, it was kind of just kind of the team chemistry. I, I guess you could point to offense and defense with that. And also player development. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a big reason James Borrego was brought in here, uh, looking at what he was able to do as part of the staff in San Antonio. And I remember just being really intrigued before last season. Uh, the Hornets are are, are really cool to let a lot of media into like a, a you guys get a, a, do you guys get the invite? We got to get you guys on the invite list. There's like a tea, there's like a lunch, a media lunch, oh. which like not many like college or pro programs do uh, where you can just get to hang out with the coach for like an hour. I feel like I brought it up and I need to get you guys on the list now. There you go. I doubt we're doing one this year, but well, that's true. Uh, what was really intriguing about that conversation was James Borrego talking about the, um, the importance of the G league and how they were going to utilize it. Um, and they were, they were, they're really serious about it. I mean, to the point where, and I think maybe other teams had done it, but the Hornets assigned somebody to be like a liaison between the G league and the NBA team. And, and, you know, now I'm going to forget who, who it actually was. Um, but we've seen in the last few years that they are using that as more than just kind of a, a place to, get a guy minutes. I mean, they're using it to get somebody some confidence. Sure. Get them out there and get some more run, but get some more confidence, figure out what, you know, the Hornets are trying to do down here, but they're also going to try to do the same types of things in Greensboro. And I mean, look at, look at the fruit that that's bared. I mean, the Martin twins, um, you know, other guys have got Devante. I mean, it, it's just done wonders. And, and I think, you know, if, if this team can continue to develop these guys into, you know, big pieces of the core going forward. Um, and then you still have to add the talent and add the, the star power in the next few years. Um, but I think that's, that's gonna, you know, it, looking back, hopefully if they have some playoff success, we can look back to that and say, that was a big part of it. I think, uh, was it, was Nick Friedman? Was that the liaison? Coach? That's, that's that sounds the name. right. That's yep. the name. Yeah. I think yeah. that's, I think that's part of it. Yeah. And, uh, now, obviously, with the Hornets too, like the they were. I feel like we've we've. I mean, I think the three of us playing attention to the team have probably kept up with this. But like their play in in the clutch this season was was great. Yeah. I mean, they, they were the, they were better at closing games than even when Kemba was here. Yeah, like, you're absolutely right. Some of the stuff, 
you know, the Knicks game. Um, yeah, I can't I'm trying to remember some of the other great finishes, but it seemed like a couple guys hit big shots at the yeah. end of games, mm-hmm. and it was just like, wait, we're, we haven't seen that before, you know, in yeah. a while. Yeah, uh, Devonte hit a game winner. Obviously, yeah. Malik hit one against the Malik Pistons, yep. and uh, yeah, as a team, Charlotte shot fifty percent from the field and forty three percent on uh, on clutch threes this season. Both of which were were tops nice. in the league. So yeah. Yeah, I I just think that you know that's part of the player development. Is, is mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you look back at that one against the Knicks. I mean, that was just like a beautifully drawn up play by Borrego. So he, yeah, you, you know he's a good. You know you, he's got some. He's showing you some things as an in game tactician, end of game tactician. That I really hope we get to see on a bigger stage mm-hmm. in the next few years, um, because I I do think they have something in that coach, and and, and it's given these guys confidence now. I mean, it's kind of like. Nobody expected that from these guys this year. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that they showed that in these moments gives you some hope that in bigger games and bigger situations, hopefully playoff situations down the road, that they have a few guys they can look to in those moments. Yeah, I'm fully on board with uh, I hope James Brago gets the chance to show uh, some of his chops uh, in, the, in the playoffs in the postseason at some point. All right, let's take a break real quick. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app, the App Store, and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, Devontae Graham should have received more attention probably in votes for the Most Improved Player Award. You look, it's not just the points per game, the assists per game uh, numbers, those are great, but the advanced numbers and the pull-up shooting numbers um, were really impressive. They they paint a a story of a guy that was certainly deserving perhaps uh, for more recognition than finishing fifth uh, in the voting. Um, I guess our question would be, how much do you think the sort of the lack of national attention – on the Charlotte Hornets played a role in Devontae uh, slipping to fifth in uh, MIP voting. That's exactly what I was coming at you with. I mean, even Adebayo, you know, he's playing for a team that is now obviously in the finals. Uh, Brandon Ingram is a guy that plays on a team that got a whole lot of attention because of some of his teammates down in New Orleans. 
Luca being Luca, obviously, and, and you can you can debate the finer points of what the award is and what it should be. But yeah, I mean, good point. How yeah. from a TV standpoint, how many times are the Hornets even on national television anymore? I mean, I think it was like, what was it? Even one last one, year? one or two. Did one. we even get to the one? Like it's just every <laughs> yeah. year. It's like there's a release from Fox Sports Midwest. It's like Fox Sports Midwest will carry 81 of this year's Hornets games. Like, yeah, he's yeah. like, all right, wait. They get like the cookie cutter, you know, ESPN game, I guess. Yeah. Which yeah. you know, so yeah, absolutely. There is, there is not star power coming out of you know this franchise right now. And and even when Kemba was kind of butting into that, it was tough to come by. Um, you know, it would take like a LeBron coming in here and, and him having sound bites about how he liked Kemba to to kind of attract some of that attention. Yeah. Um, people didn't really talk about Kemba until his contract was up and was he going to get the Supermax and would he take less and all that. Like that was like the most you ever saw him on the jump. So obviously now without him, there's just not much to talk about mm-hmm. in Charlotte from a national perspective, like the national writers and pundits and talking as they – they don't care about the Hornets playing better as a team down the stretch. And like mm-hmm. maybe Malik Monk has found his groove and, you know, so, and, and that showed in the award. I mean, I took a look at the voting and yeah, you know, I'm not sure a Charlotte writer was on the ballot, had a ballot so. to be honest so. with you. So yeah. um, it, it was, yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating, but at the same time, like coming from a TV perspective, like I get why they're not really looking at Charlotte mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, and I think I think for the three of us or other people that are around the team or cover the team, follow the team, it, there's a way there's a way to, that it, that becomes it's frustrating, but it can it can be exciting too because there's a lot of room for for growth and potential. It's, it's I think a, a way to look at it, and maybe you know Devonte wasn't able to reap the rewards of that this season, but you know the next Devonte Graham perhaps yeah. perhaps will get a part of that. And there, of course, like I think all of us can sort of understand like the limitations with the voting process. Like there's no perfect way to do this, and uh, and, and that's a little frustrating too. But I, I still think there is something. It's there is something contingent on writers, people that cover the league full time at a national audience where they probably do need to do a little bit better of a job um, finding ways to keep up with other, keep up with a franchise like this. Like uh, on this pod, we have people that listen to this pod or interact with us on Twitter that live in different continents, you know, (laughs) Europe, Asia, Australia, Uh, those people find a way to keep up with the Hornets and know a hell of a lot about them. So the people that are paid, you know, the salaries to do it and are in far more convenient time zones, um, one would maybe like if they, uh, if, if there was a little bit more attention perhaps given to the team. But like you said, we understand the limitations uh, here. All right, switching gears here a little bit. Uh, another player on, on Lawrence roster that, you know, was maybe late season snubbed with a little bit of, uh, of voting was P.J. Washington. Um, P.J. had a great a great rookie season, uh, super versatile and it seems like a guy that even if he's not like a franchise player, like is certainly like a building block for the team uh, going forward based on what you've seen and heard so far since the team sort of like huddled back up within the last couple of weeks, what do you think PJ sort of like focused on and was working on during quarantine? Do you have any, do you have any sort of insight? Has he revealed anything along those lines during media availability the last couple of last week or so here? So it sounds like he's doing a little more ball handling in practice. I think that was discussed this week. Um, and if you, yeah, Tuesday, today's Tuesday. I think it was discussed today um, by Borrego <laughs> somewhere. But yeah, I mean, the kid came out and like 
And it was like, ah, oh, you know, he's a good draft pick. Like, let's see how his shooting is. And then he just, like, breaks a rookie record his first night out. And it's like, okay. So he's got that. And maybe not every night. But um, it certainly helps, you know, him try to become the player he wants to become and become the player that the Hornets, um, you know, like, like you said, can't build around but can use as a, you know, if, if you know, a couple of years down the road you do have kind of that star number one player. I mean, PJ is a great second or third option off of that. Um I think continue to work on a shooting, continue to, to work on different, uh, you know, defending different guys. Um, you know, he, he just seemed to get better and better. I, I think if somebody's going to take a Devonte like leap, uh, maybe not average 13 and a half more points than he did this year, but uh, I think that'd be great. But, you heard uh, it. You heard it here. Folks. You heard it here first. He's going to average what? Like 32 points. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's, I, I just really like him. He's got a great build for the league. Um, as a guy that can stay in a starting rotation for a long time, especially in this market, you know, wouldn't say sky's the limit with him, but he's only going to get better. And, and it is just about adding that star and look at the position they're in to do that this year. Um, but I, I think he's, you know, obviously been a little more consistent than, than miles bridges in his first season. So let's see what he can do in year two. Yeah. I think the word that you associate with PJ Washington is definitely that the high floor, I, I, like Nick was saying, you know, he might not have the highest of ceilings that he'll ever reach, but he's just a solid player, a staple on this team. So uh, we've got Nick Carboni on the pod here, Nick, I'm not a big fan of rankings, but I'm going to give you three Hornets <laughs> on this roster. And I want you to rank them in terms of how confident you are that they will turn out to be a piece for this Hornets roster moving forward two, three years down the road. Okay, so these three Hornets, Miles Bridges, Malik Monk, P.J. Washington, one, two, three them for me. I will go P.J., Miles, and Malik. And I think it's just if you look at the consistency of each of those three guys uh, for however long each of them has been here, I guess that would be (laughs) – I went in reverse. Like, P.J. has been here one year, Miles has been here two, and Malik's been here three at this point, right? So Correct. Uh, PJ, yeah, like yeah. we said, I mean, he's, he's the most consistent. He seems to be the guy that is getting better and better, got better and better as the year went on. Uh, Miles, I still think can be a part of this, this franchise is core going forward and, and, you know, whatever they want to add to it. Um, is he a star? You know, he's one of those guys that I could see eventually dropping out of the starting rotation, perhaps depending on what they add um, still has a lot to work on, but still got better. Uh, he, he got better in, in a couple of different ways this year. And then Malik is kind of the wild card at three. Like, who knows? Like, two years from now, I'd be like, can't believe I didn't pick Malik for that. But obviously, the defense has struggled. Obviously, he had his, his off-the-court struggle mm-hmm. last year, although mentally, you know, at least in in this atmosphere that we're in now, he, you know, he's a, he was a great story last week and coming mm-hmm. out and said, you know, that he's, he's doing better, you know, with the mental and um, the physical he's, he's obviously added weight, but you know, I, I think it's just taken him a while to grasp the life of a professional uh, NBA player. Um, you know, like, like we said, he's still pretty young. I mean, he was drafted at 19. Will this be his fourth season already? Whenever yeah. this season yes. starts. Yeah. Um, but this is, yeah. this is kind of the year for him to prove it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, prove that he, has the the coaching staff's trust um and and the the gm and the owner um but man he just looks so good in those 12 or 13 games before he got suspended last year that's why it was such a bummer uh for that to happen but you know i would say it's washington bridges and malik but malik you know if he if he starts out hot 
and stays consistent whenever this next season starts, I could easily, you know, jump him over miles. Yeah. I kind of, I, I don't debate Washington. Washington's my number one of those rankings. Uh, Malik Monk, just something about him. Like I'm very intrigued by it and he plays to his strengths. Like coming out of Kentucky, like we thought of this guy as this like dead eye shooter, but like right. he's never really developed that three point shot on the NBA level. And now he's kind of playing to his strengths of getting to the rim, attacking the basket. He can pass the ball a little bit. Uh, like you mentioned, Nick, maybe he's not the greatest on defense, but he he can he has competed, especially in those last handful of yeah. games before his suspension. There is there's a part of me that wants to rank Monk over Miles. What about you, Brian? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's close. Obviously, PJ is is certainly one one on that list, and and maybe maybe I'm reading too much into not even just those last dozen games, but um, but certainly where uh, even he was at other times earlier in the season too. Just like Malik, really coming online as one of the best closeout beating guards in the league. You know, smaller sample size. I thought the point of attack defense got a lot better this season um and yeah the shot obviously was like a a total mystery with him and I I know he dealt with some injuries um this season as well too so maybe that played a role but yeah you're just like if this guy could ever get back to the shooting profile he had when he was in when he was coming out of Kentucky as it's not just like a long-range bomber but a guy that could shoot off the move um you know just how much that would even further unlock his off the dribble game which can look downright special at times too so you know i'll give i'll put i'll do this mostly i'll sort of take a bit of a cop out um <laughs> monk's talent sort of appeals to me a little bit more uh, yeah. than miles but miles is at a point now where he still has two full seasons left on his rookie contract you know like there's a little bit there's a little bit more runway there so I'll, I'll say PJ one, you know, miles two and, and Malik three, but like, it's clo- like, I think that the three of yeah. us can all agree. Like it, that, that line between two and three is, yeah. is yeah. really and I, blurry and talk to us tomorrow and maybe we'll have a different right. opinion. I, you know? I think with Malik is like, if, if you kind of envision this team as a team that could hopefully make the playoffs in the East next year, I mean, like, I don't think there's any doubt that they could, they could probably do that. Like if he's going to be a guy that, and like you guys mentioned, we thought, okay, this is going to be a guy that is going to be able to come in games and knock down three or four threes. Well, okay, he's not that, but he's kind of realized that, and now he's a guy that can come into the game and just, you know, get buckets, you know, at will if he if he drives the lane and finishes mm-hmm. at the rim, and even passing off of that I thought was pretty yes. good last year too. Yes, so, like, if he can inject that type of energy off the bench – uh, for a team that that wants to take the next step, yeah, it's certainly you would want to move him from three to two. Yeah, maybe maybe we could just say two A and two B for now. Yeah. So there we go, there we go. There All we right, go. I like before that. we shift our focus to the off season and the draft, uh, what are your overall thoughts on James Borrego so far with his uh, two seasons in Charlotte? And then, do you have any funny stories about him <laughs> uh, that you've picked up on as you covered him on the beat? That's a good question. I mean, he. He is really a pleasure to cover, first of all. He's just mm-hmm. such a genuine guy, uh, not blowing smoke there. Um, you know, guy that after a press conference, even if they lose, like, we'll just say, hey, hey you know, just kind of knows everybody's name and jokes around, and he, he's just kind of, like, unintentionally funny, I think. They they posted a mic'd up with him and uh, in the bubble, and I just, I, just, I just think he's kind of a funny guy. He's just yeah. kind of a goofy dude. Um, I think he's been, you know, the, the team chose a direction, well, I guess, <laughs> eventually, awkwardly. 
but he is kind of the guy that um, is is a great guide for that direction of of developing talent, mm-hmm. of getting guys to play as a team offensively and defensively, and somebody that set three or four kind of guideposts of what the team needed to do long term and has never really strayed from that uh, no matter what through the ups and the downs and you know losing streaks and flashes of brilliance uh, he's he's kind of stayed the same through that I think he he has a lot of the guys trust in that if they if they do what he asks them to do even if it, even if that's go to Greensboro it's going to make them better um so yeah, I, 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 and like I said, I think, you know, they stole some games that maybe a lot of people didn't expect them to win. Yeah. So that, that's, that's him in game too. And that's what you look for too. I mean, you know, I, I will kind of equate it to the Panthers where like, I think coach rule is probably a good team builder and, and player developer and all that. But like, I want to see what he can do in game. Uh, and that's what I'll be looking for from him this season. And that's kind of what you wanted to look for in Borrego last season. Cause it's the NBA. You're going to be in close games against good teams and look what they did in the last six games. I mean, they beat Houston. They mm-hmm. went toe to toe with Milwaukee and Denver Yeah, and they beat Miami. <laughs> so like, look yeah. where all those teams ended up mm-hmm. and, yeah. and he's a big, he's a big part of that. So I, I really like what I've seen from him and I, and I would love to see this team get to the playoffs so we can see what he can do there. Yeah. It, I like the guys that can sort of balance the being like nice self-deprecating uh, human beings with also like, you know, he's obviously a, you know, a cold blooded competitor too. I, I, he, I like, he hates I like the guys lose too. Yeah. That's what he, it, like, well, they said that after, I can't remember if it was cup check or somebody said the first year, he just like despised all the losing. Yeah. And like he knew he was going to, I yeah. mean, they still had Kemba, but I mean, he, he kind of, and he's not afraid to call out his team right. uh, mm-hmm. publicly or privately and yeah. players. I mean, he is very blunt with them. Yeah. You really do have to be a certain kind of uh, like, the, it's like the right kind of crazy, but it is a certain kind of crazy. If you want to sign up for being yeah. uh, an NBA coach, knowing like hating losing and knowing that uh, it's something you might be dealing with on a nightly basis is uh, yeah. that's, that's that even if the money's good, that's, that's a lot to sign up for. But uh, Nick earlier in this podcast, you mentioned when we were sort of kicking around possibilities for why the Hornets found uh, late game success, one of the things you brought up was um, chemistry. And I think that's something, even from someone like me on the outside looking in, really just you know getting to see what I see on the court, see what's distributed through social media, whether it be you know the Hornets Instagram account, Devontae Graham's Twitter account or whatever. But it does seem to be, perhaps part of it is helped by that like half of the roster is you know around the same age. They're like mm-hmm. 21 through 25 or whatever. Um, but it does seem like there are good vibes and good energy on the team. And the guys genuinely like spending time with one another. Is that something do you think that the org is that just sort of developed organically? Or do you think that's something, and I don't, I don't even think you know, there's a right or a wrong way to this. Or do you think that's something that the franchise sort of tried to help foster and try to say like, well, look, as we're rebuilding, it would be good if we're having these guys, not like we need to be singing, you know, Kumbaya for every game, but if these guys or these guys need to be hanging out or anything like that, but that it is going to help the buy-in if these guys are looking around and saying like, that guy's more than just my teammate, my, you know, my coworker, like he's a friend, he's a brother or whatever. Do you think that's something that came sort of naturally? Is that something that the, the organization was really sort of like pushing towards? Here's where I'm going to go with that. I think it's I think it's left over from when Kemba was here. 
because hmm. a lot of these guys gathered around Kemba. They would hang out at his house, and he'd let them drive their cars. And <laughs> and I think they still kind of I, – I think that got them all in that mode of like, hey, we hang out and we're brothers and we goof off and play video games together and all that. I, I really do think that is a, a little bit of a leftover of what Kemba was here and with this group, and they just kind of – decided they liked each other after that and, and kept it going. I, I obviously think that the team does like that. They're like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, James Brago's mentioned it many times that they like to play with each other and for each other. Um, and, and maybe it, you know, some of it is part of the draft process where like they got, you know, seemingly genuinely good dudes mm-hmm. uh, in the last few drafts. I mean, you know, obviously Malik had a little bit of an off court issue, but um, the guys seemed to really, you know, like him still and, and mm-hmm. he didn't play in the summer league last year and that was kind of weird but like he's still kind of a guy that um you, you see them rally around uh, even Dwayne Bacon who really you know kind of mm-hmm. vanished last year he seems to kind of be still in that mix yeah um but the first thing that came to mind when you started talking about that Brian was Kemba Walker kind of set that and it is kind of permeated to this group that's here now still yeah, I think you can see I – mean, we think we saw that with the Celtics too, just how mm-hmm. Kemba is a shot in the arm of of good vibes and, and wherever he goes. And, and I still think it's like one of the funniest stories of the offseason was that, you know, Devontae Graham was just staying at Kemba's <laughs> yeah. house in Charlotte. It's just like the a funny and, like, cool thing that was happening. Absolutely, actually. yeah. Um, but, uh, all right, switching over here to offseason mode a little bit. I guess it was a little over a month ago or so, uh, the Hornets – uh, got a little bit of luck and were able to come away with the number three pick in the 2020 NBA draft. Um, you know, not maybe the best draft in the world to move up in, but still great. It really is a, a great asset for the franchise and coming off of a strong 2019 draft. I think, you know, people can be feeling sort of encouraged. The team fans, people around the team, can. there's, uh, there's reason to be encouraged heading into the 2020 draft with three picks including the number three overall one. But um, two questions here. Do you sort of have a, do you, and I guess one is sort of more opinion-based, do you have a strong opinion on who the Hornets should draft? And also we'd sort of be curious to know what your thoughts are on on a prospect like James Wiseman. I mean, I'm not sure how much you saw of him, mm-hmm. um, but is sort of polarizing um, because there yeah. is a guy that there isn't a lot of tape on or numbers on uh, at the college level, um, certainly a, a, a Ballyhooed recruit, but a guy that certainly comes with some potential rewards, but also certainly some, some very real risks and concerns. Yeah, I think there's like a 66% chance they get a polarizing player if you look at two of the top three guys. If, if yeah. it's Wiseman just because of, you know, who really is he as a player or if it's Ball because he is a Ball brother and he is the son of lavar like and i wasn't like super pumped about his media session yesterday where he's just kind of i don't know i part of me wants to say like okay well obviously Lamelo ball is pound for pound probably the best and most talented prospect in that top three but like take lavar out of it like are, are you getting a guy that is going to completely distra- because regardless of who the third pick is and and who eventually this team gets to be its star, which we hope they do in the next few years. 
um, he's got a vibe with that core that we were just talking about because there is going to be some, some of these guys are going to be the core and are now setting the tone and foundation for what the team is going to do when hopefully it takes the next step. So does he fit that? But uh, specifically about Wiseman, I mean, he's just kind of like, whereas ball is not a mystery at all, really, even though he played overseas, Wiseman is a total mystery because he barely played at Memphis and he was just kind of this mythical uh, seven foot one freak of nature coming out of like a basketball hotbed recruited by Penny, like all of that stuff. Um, you know, I'm not sure like the off the court stuff with him is just like typical, like big time college basketball to me. And it's just like a, something that a lot of guys are able to just remove themselves when they get to the NBA. Yeah. Who cares? Um, right. Yeah. I to mean, me, he's obviously the best fit for like what the team needs right now, but you don't want to totally draft in that mindset. But if he can develop a shot and he, and they let him do that, you know, I think he's already got, he's already pretty good around the rim offensively. Uh, I, I think that'll translate right away. Um, and they just need, they just need a rim player at both ends. They just need somebody that can, that can take that spot. It's just been, you know, kind of hodgepodge and, and Cody, Cody Zeller's brought some steadiness to it, but obviously you know, the ceiling is low or ceiling is the roof or whatever the hell you want to say. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Wiseman just, God, he could be a star if, if he can shoot and, and he just is, is all the things that you would want in a seven foot one guy in this era. Yeah, I think a lot of people see the, the physical tools with Wiseman. You see that he plays a position of need with the center position uh, and they do really like him as a prospect. I know that Brian and I uh, are not so high on Wiseman uh, for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. but we definitely see the intrigue there. Yeah, there's there's no, like, maybe Ball is the only, I, possibly the only sure thing or or has the fewest red flag, yellow or red flags, or what you want to say. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Brian, Brian's big on Ball. But uh, before we hop off here, Nick, uh, I'm sure we have a lot of Carolina Panther fans here that listen to this pod. <laughs> so I want to get your answer on this. Over, under... 5.5 wins for this 2020 Panthers team. I'll say under. I picked them to go 4 and 12 mm-hmm. before the season, so I'm sticking with that. Um I liked what I saw from them this past week obviously at LA. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff to clean up, but you saw some flashes especially on defense. Yes. Um but and and that may have like made me tick up my win total to five, but I think it'll be under five and a half. But um, just like with Borrego, with Rule, it's like, can you get these guys to play day in and day out, even, you know, while they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs? And what do they look like at the end of the season? And how are guys developing? Um, so it's almost like the Panthers are where Borrego and the Hornets were the last two years. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick, uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you online. Sure. At Nick Carboni, WCNC. I tweet a lot, probably too much, but I'll be tweeting about the Hornets a lot too. So I appreciate you guys having me on. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks again, Thank Nick. You. Okay. For the last portion of this podcast, I'm going to bring you guys some audio clips over the last several days for some media availabilities for these Hornets as they've been their in-market bubble uh, since, again, September 21st. So here are some audio clips that I was able to capture uh, throughout the course of these media availabilities. The first clip that you're going to hear is from James Borrego and his thoughts on not taking shortcuts 
and taking a patient approach with this roster. We're trying to take the slow approach, and I think that's what development's about. You never know how these players are going to develop. Everybody develops at a, a different rate. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all learning the game at a different pace, um, and all can handle this a little bit differently as well. You know, some guys can handle more uh, early on. Some it takes a while, and I think that's the patience we have to have as an organization to see this through having patience and discipline, I think is key uh, when you're learning, when, you know, when you're trying to build a young team. So uh, that's been our approach. We'll continue to, to uh, approach it that way. At some point you got to make some, some calls on different players, but right now we're taking the patient approach, the discipline approach. Here's a clip from miles bridges himself speaking about his post-ups and his success. And if him and James Brago talked about that going into the season, Yeah, I mean, during the off season coach seen he was working with me and PJ a lot on our post moves. And when we get mismatches, cause he wanted a lot of guard to guard screens for me. Um, just so I could get open and get a little guard on me so I could post them up. Um, and I feel like that was working for us um, during the season. So coach did a great job at, of, of finding that out for me, helping me get to my spots on the floor. And, and my guards, Devontae and Terry, and even the big man, Willie and, and Cody, they did a great job of finding me in the post this year. This next clip is from James Borrego, and he's speaking on how he's been using these two weeks to look at lineup changes and how he's going to use that moving forward. Different combinations uh, of lineups, uh, especially with the big guys, the guards. So... We've mixed it up every day. We've had different combinations on the floor together. Four on four has been really good for us. Um, you're getting a lot more touches, a lot more activity in four on four settings. And uh, you're getting to play with a different teammate or teammates uh, every single day. So the four on four has been good for us. We've looked at some different big, big combinations. Um, you know, looking at PG at some five, sliding miles around the floor as well. Um, you know, so it's been good for us looking at different guard combinations as well. You know, Malik's handled it a ton. Cody Martin's had handled it a ton. So it's been valuable for us to evaluate, you know, where our guys are at. And the last clip I'm going to share with you guys is from PJ Washington. I had asked him a question about his guard skills as well as potentially playing a little bit more five next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm extremely comfortable on the perimeter hand, on ball making plays and stuff like that. My biggest thing this uh, past this summer I've been working on is trying to create off the bounce and uh, be able to make shots off the bounce. So I'm extremely um, excited about it. And yeah, I mean, I've been talking to coach about it and we've been doing a lot of things. I've been working on a lot of things uh, like coming off ball screens and making the right reads, making the right plays. So I'm sure you're excited about it, and I feel like uh, we'll definitely, it'll definitely be in the offense this year. All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to another Buzz Beat. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you guys can give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way in helping our exposure with this podcast and getting it out to more Hornets fans. Also, in the episode note, if you've not already done so, there is going to be a podcast survey. Again, we take this in, we use it, it's valuable to us, and we will see you guys next time. Go Hornets. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.